0: join us at the 35th Annual KPFA Crafts and Music Fair on Saturday, December 10th and Sunday, December 11th at 8 and Brannon, uh, San Francisco, the Concourse Exhibition Center. For more information, call 510 848 6767, extension 611. And stay tuned for cover to cover with. Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rules divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys, there's your picture. Drop the shadows. this is jennifer stone with stone's throw today is tuesday november the 22nd 2005 and it's it's turkey time i of course always fix a lasagna it's traditional uh it's my feeble rebellion against uh, that big bird you know <laughs> you know <laughs> uh of course, with all those cheeses, lasagna's even more fattening than turkey. Provolone cheese is my favorite. Oh, gluttony. It's the only one of the seven sins, yes, the one that can't be hid. You can't hide those pounds, you know, the other sins. You can, you can pull the wall, but. Uh, in any case. I have sworn never again to spend Thanksgiving with my fist upper turkeys. Oops, oops, euphemism there, euphemism. That's just too, too retro. Uh, I shall begin the day on Thanksgiving by giving thanks for all the gifts that Gaia gives us. In spite of all the suffering on earth, joy is a constant. Uh... We can make the moment ecstatic, you know, if we choose to do so. <laughs> yes. It's called free will. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Who is it that says, yes, in Gaia's name? I was thinking about that listening to uh, one of my favorite TV shows. The woman keeps saying, what in Gaia's name gave you that idea? Yes. uh We can make the moment ecstatic. If Gaia lets us do so. Now, we know that through the fountain of our tears, we make our little songs and dance on. This year, I am going to find myself a hat with feathers and wear it to the KPFA Holiday Crafts Fair over in San Francisco. I'm going to be there selling my books and uh, some tapes, some CDs, both days, December 10th and 11th. Uh, the fair is at the concourse, 8th and Brennan, all day. I usually have a little table just to the left as you come in the big entrance. There's going to be lots of music, belly dancers, I hope, food, and, of course, maximum retail therapy. Happiness. Happiness can be a, a handmade wooden box or, you know, a multicolored scarf, uh be with me, beauty, for the fire is dying. Anything, yes, a little bit of glass to hang in the window and let the light come through. Anyway, Thanksgiving weekend is when everyone goes out to the movies. I don't know why that is. Some folks go shopping on Friday. I try never, never to step inside a store on the Friday after Thanksgiving. I don't want to be a statistic, but uh, most people go to the movies uh, there are a few good films this year. I hear them reviewed everywhere. uh But the only one, the only must-see is probably the one about Edward R. Murrow, uh, Good Night and Good Luck. As Bill Mandel uh, told me, it's not the whole story, but it's certainly excellent as far as it goes. You know, they've only got two hours Uh the spirit of Joseph McCarthy, of course, is alive in the land, certainly not dead. We can be thankful that today's right-wingers seem to be tanking. It's a Roman farce there in the Senate. Uh, the Corporation for <clears throat> Public Broadcasting is also coming out of the shadow. It may be saved, at least for the moment, <clears throat> making the world safe for satire isn't as easy as it used to be, uh, always, the gray ones, the censors, the censorious souls, you know, those dudes who want to slap on the fig leaves, um, yes, cover up, (laughs) yes, what was it, covering up the breasts, yes, I remember that one in the Senate, of course, it's, it's about the thought police people, you know, um, the ones who want to put the fig leaf on the mind they want to they want to control the spin now these are creeps creeps they creep around the control freaks the people whose sadistic instincts drive them you know drive them to punish always distrust people who want to increase punishments yes they solve problems by punishing ah uh, Beat your slaves. Beat your wife. Your children. This goes way, way back into our uh, human history, you know. Think of Rome. Think of Rome. There's no place like Rome. None of the new movies are nearly as interesting as the HBO series Rome. I'm glued to the thing. It's 12 hours of ancient history. And there's going to be another season. The... uh, uh, the birth of the military state. It all happened in Rome. Greece, in a way, was the beginning of Western culture, but it is Rome who gave us the authoritarian state. Uh, the 12th episode aired last Sunday night. Um, I was devastated, absolutely wiped out, watching Julius Caesar slaughtered in the Roman Senate. God, he's a good actor. Wow. Uh I'm not going to give you all the names the cast list and everything you can look that up it's too long and uh, people don't remember it in any case Uh, it's just an awesome piece of theater Uh, we see Caesar cut down butchered by his friends yes those who destroy you will be those of your own house his aristocratic pals I didn't think I could be so moved by a reenactment uh of male on male violence you know we see that sort of thing morning noon and night on every screen it's just deja vu all over again but this this time was different uh even episode 11 the one before this the scene in the arena the coliseum uh hasn't been built yet it's uh uh 50 bc we're talking here uh uh, half a century before Christ and the arena is small and bloody lots of sand to soak up the blood and uh, there's a scene in episode 11 in which a soldier has to, well he's in the arena to be executed basically and uh, <laughs> it's very dramatic his old pal jumps in to save him and I couldn't believe I would be cheering you know like at a boxing match Uh It's interesting, Uh, it's all in the style, folks, it's all in the style. Gratuitous violence is just so boring, but this time uh, we care about these people. Now, about the death of Caesar, they left out the soothsayer, you know, the the guy who, or the blind guy who wanders in the street, uh, telling Caesar to beware the Ides of March. Uh, They left out Et tu brute." Um, it was all done with the acting. It was in their eyes. We didn't need to hear the words. Uh, and when Caesar's wife has these bad dreams, uh, it isn't about prophecy. Uh, it's just pillow talk. He explains that he's had bad dreams all his life and it came to nothing. But then the pillow talk concerns realistic issues uh, like why uh, why, she asks him, why go on? Why not just quit, retires, you know? To what end is political ambition? What is it all for? Yes, indeed, that is the question. Why do, uh, why do people want power? Why do we need a state? Finally, when Brutus delivers the final stab wound, it's only peer pressure basically that forces his hand. The final tableau uh, shows us the bloody senators. It's uh what we used to call painterly. It's extremely grand tapestry. Uh they're all standing over the corpse of Caesar. Uh, they are a portrait of defeat. They've done nothing but uh. uh Slaughter an animal, killing your enemy is not freedom. I don't know why that's such a difficult lesson to learn. Still, still, humankind has not understood that uh, you cannot murder, uh, murder. You cannot terrorize the terrorist. uh. It's just a simple fact. Now, this series, in this series, Rome... Julius Caesar is portrayed as a benign dictator. I think for purposes of the script, they had to make him, uh, within reason, a good guy. That is, uh, a Machiavellian uh, dictator. He does order men killed when it's absolutely necessary, trying to avoid it whenever possible. Uh, he bribes the religious officials. He corrupts... Uh, Men when necessary, saying, Yes, we will you corrupted one man to save the others, he says to the, <laughs> the young man that he's taken under his wing, that sort of thing. It's the Machiavellian model. Very Italian, yes. Centuries before Machiavelli's book The Prince, we see this Roman Caesar playing politics uh with great skill. Actually, yes, the Buddha says that virtue is skill in action. I wonder if it is possible to be a virtuous dictator. Think back uh, over history and see if you can find a few. Some people say Elizabeth I was a uh, uh, virtuous dictator. But it's all there. It's all there. The political scene, the sex scandals. Um, Caesar throws over a woman that he loves, uh, he wants to remain respectable. Now, uh, I didn't buy that, but in this series, uh, the plot would have it that this woman is the mother of Brutus and uh, that um, uh, Brutus is moved by her pain. Her name is Sevilla. She's reputed to have been the one woman Julius Caesar may have seriously loved. This is according to... A few historians check out Plutarch's Lives, but, uh, you know, uh, there are so many different opinions, you can pretty much make it up to suit yourself. It's a playwright's dream. Uh, most people are interested in the actual historical facts. The plot lines don't always follow, but, um, it's enough, you know. Uh, we know the ending here, yes. Uh, <laughs> we know that the next season of the show will bring us Anthony and Cleopatra uh Cleopatra did appear in the first season she and Caesar have a child named Caesarian whose uh uh paternity is part of the plot it's a special special thing I won't tell you in case you are going to rush out and buy the DVD of the first season of Rome I'm not sure it's out yet but it'll be out there um now, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Romans, Octavia and her brother, uh, they will be in this show. They've been very young. They've been developing. Uh, Anthony's Roman wife will be Octavia in the next season. Her brother is going to be the future Augustus Caesar. If you remember, I, Claudius, you will remember Brian Blessed as uh, Augustus Caesar, uh, <laughs> his good wife Livia. That, of course, is uh, a generation later. But it's a fabulous show. I'm sure. I'm sure somebody's going to dig out I Claudius and run it on another cable channel, just to parallel this one. I've noticed. Uh, let's see. What have they pulled out of the attic? Uh, reruns of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. Still, um, Mark Anthony, yes, is the best Mark Anthony, is still Marlon Brando. Uh, now, the writers of this new series did something interesting here. Uh, I think because it's the 21st century and feminism has arrived, they focused on two middle-aged mothers. They gave these women roles as romantic leads. Uh it's usually, you know, Brutus's wife Portia, that sort of thing. But this time we get the mother of uh the future uh Octavian uh yes, Atia is her name. Her daughter Octavia and her son Octavius are central characters. Uh she and Mark Anthony our lovers in the first season she is as wicked as they come she's almost uh, too melodramatic but <laughs> yes when you when you get to rome yes you you need at least one or two really wicked ladies uh the other woman of a certain age is Sevilia, the uh uh lover of caesar and the mother of brutus um caesar Dumps her when pictures of the two of them appear all over town as graffiti, and his wife threatens divorce. His wife has a powerful family, so he's stuck with uh, respectability. I still, I, I keep wondering about her role as a motivating force in Brutus's choice to murder Caesar. But who knows? Why not throw in a little, um, uh, a little female, um, uh, undercurrent there, I would would just assume, well, you know, when you think of, of Shakespeare and Shaw, you never think of women being motivators, except, well, let's see, now there's, there's Lady Macbeth, um, uh, now, history, actual history does hint that Brutus may in fact have been the son of Julius Caesar, uh, there's nothing to prove it, uh, but the Oedipus thing just might make sense. If I were a writer, it seems to me that would be a fun, a fun plot twist. Anyway, uh, these writers took that idea and ran with it. What's so splendid about this show, what is so moving, is the acting, the production, the direction. Uh, this is something that gives me, what is the word, gives me hope. That My culture is still alive and thriving. Uh, I think back of all the earlier productions that people will talk about, and I think, of course, of Shakespeare and Shaw, and all the playwrights who have tackled these ancients. And, of course, many people will think that this show is inadequate, that it isn't anywhere near what uh, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar is, but... Uh, I, yeah I, I, I think I could start with this one and then ask my students to move on to, uh, the language in Shakespeare. Shakespeare's play is about the language. This production is about being there, about the smells and the sights and the sounds, the rats, uh, the black flocks, the slaves, uh, the dirt. Uh, it's verisimilitude, I believe, is the fancy word we use, verisimilitude. Uh Of course, none of us can know what it was really like. Um, I always like to imagine the past, and then my teeth begin to ache, and I remember what it must have been really like, and I'm so grateful to be in the 80th century in which I find myself. But these filmmakers do uh put us in that world, half a century before the birth of of Christ, more intimately than I could ever have imagined. Uh, I've never seen anything quite like this on the screen before. It's, of course, much more like uh, an eastern town, if you think of uh, uh, India. I'm talking about uh, the Far East, if you think of Calcutta, I think would be closer to what Rome looks like in this Series. It was made, of course, in Rome. But the political stuff is this perfect paradigm for today's world. Makes me want to go back to being a high school teacher (laughs) to to show the kids how all this uh, parallels today's uh, scene. Executions as symbolic of the power of the state, right? That is still very much with us. Religion as the opiate of the masses, uh, magical thinking, yes indeed. And, ah, yes, how to fool most of the people most of the time. Even the town crier, right, he's the media. He keeps, he keeps shouting, yes, Roman bread. True Roman bread for true Romans, whatever that means. Anyway, we see that Uh, "...everything is based on economic determinism, then as now." There's a clever old slave, he's Caesar's secretary, or amanuensis. He remembers everything, he knows everything. Uh, His name is Posca, one of my favorite characters. And he says, um, when uh, an idealist questions his methods, he says, "...the people don't want clean elections." They want jobs, food, stability. You know, same old, same old. The writers here avoid the cliché bread and circuses. I was raised with that phrase. Those of us who majored in history remember the old professors who told us that Rome was the beginning of the concept of bread and circuses. Give the masses uh, entertainment and uh, uh, subsistence. If you think about it, that could be our world today. Uh, Modern politics, right, had its genesis. In the Roman Empire, anyway, the first 12 episodes portray the end of the Roman Republic and the rise of the Empire. Again, that parallels uh, the state of our state. The death of Julius Caesar did not lead to a Republican resurrection. It did not uh, free the people. It just led to a new dictatorship. Um, and again, more and more, uh, what is it, empirical emperors. Uh, they got, um, well, they got, they, they were up and down, yes. The military dictators were the most boring. Um, Caesar's egalitarian notions... Julius Caesar's egalitarian notions are portrayed in this series as pretty much liberal, you know, benign dictator. He creates a hundred new senators, Um, little Octavian gives him that idea. He brings in these long-haired Gauls and blue-painted Celts, you know, Uh, immigrants, right. They are uh, offensive to the old aristocrats. Uh, They are the best leaders of the conquered tribes. He wants to make uh, citizens and uh, uh, members of the state, of these conquered peoples. He even includes a few plebs. Uh, One of Caesar's lines reads, I want the best men in Italy, not the richest old men in Rome. The writer's again trying to be contemporary. Oh, FDR and JFK come to mind, you know, the kind of rulers, presidents, leaders who get the best and the brightest. Uh, uh Aha, they go to Harvard and Yale, well, (laughs) not Yale, yes, Yale is our our bush boy. Uh, Such leaders even go to scientists, uh, scholars, ecologists, you know. Uh, They don't just hang out with their capitalist cronies. Today's ruling cabal, that is the Bush crime family, is uh, merely a cockistocracy. It's my favorite new word this season. A cockistocracy is the name of a state or nation ruled by its worst citizens. It's spelled cockistocracy with K's, K-A-K-I-S-T-O-C-R-A-C-Y. Cacistocracy, caca, yes. Now, back in Rome, the hierarchical model was the rule, though, uh, top to bottom, you know. Male dominance was uh, everywhere, and it wasn't just gender, you know. Human rights uh, were granted only to uh, Roman citizens. Uh, slaves were mere property, uh the Latin word "familia" uh, (family) that is "familia" f a m i l i a, literally means all the slaves belonging to one Roman citizen. You know, your uh, your uh, family, your clan. Uh, it's your wife, your children, your slaves. Uh, of course, there were freedmen. They had less privileges. They were not slaves, but they were not. Uh, uh, enfranchised. They were not citizens. Now, this is all part of a class hierarchy. Think of, uh, today's India, you get closer to it. Um, the women more or less fell into the class of whichever male, uh, chose them or, uh, with whom they found favor. They were pawns in the game, so to speak. If you want to, <laughs> if you want, want to get away from the ancients from 50 BC, you can just skip to the late 18th or early 19th century and go check out the latest film version of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. That's all about women as economic units as well. Pawns in the game, still marriage and money. Ah, there's a few around today. Men and money is the uh, subject. Napoleon always said women have no rank. They rise or fall according to the men that choose them, you know. Or, well, if you're the daughter of wealth, you will probably survive. In Pride and Prejudice, we see three girls uh, in the uh, early... Well, let's see. I think the movie is set in 1790s when it was actually written. It wasn't published until the early 19th century, but the clothes are 1790s. Anyway, the Bennett household that Jane Austen wrote about... Uh, these girls will lose their support, their income, their family, their um, uh, their income, yes. They will have no support system when their father dies. A male cousin, Mr. Collins, will inherit the property. <laughs> he offers to marry one of them, you know, in compensation. Anyway, the 19th century was especially tough on women in England. Things got a little better with the Women's Property Act late in the century, uh Virginia Woolf writes about the 20th century oppression. They found new ways, you know. Today, of course, women in the Western world are free. Yes, we are just like the men. We are free to starve and sleep under bridges and do whatever we want, just like the boys. Never mind. Oh, never mind. As Polly Garter says in Dylan Thomas's poem, Under Milkwood, isn't life a terrible thing, thank god <laughs> i I love Dylan Thomas's Under Milkwood. I always read it at Christmas. It's the most wonderful description of what do you call that a community life, family life. I like it for the holidays. Thank God, thank Gaia. We are still we are still able to swim in the sea, walk in the woods, hug our friends, eat pumpkin pie. I plan to curl up over the holiday and read Thornton Wilder's book, The Ides of March. It's the most wonderful novel about uh, uh, Julius Caesar and what was going on in Rome. It's done, it's done with letters. And all of the people, even Cleopatra is in town, all of the people in the Ides of March uh, are gossiping. And we see how it's, what's happening backstage and how Caesar is going to uh, uh, die and what's going to happen. The Ides of March I recommend. Uh, in any case, I won't be on the air Thursday morning. Uh, I will be preempted then. I'll be back on the air next Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Shadow Oakland Elizabeth House, a nonprofit organization providing long-term transitional housing for women and children since nineteen ninety-one, is celebrating art and community by hosting its first arts and crafts fair and fundraiser, Sunday.